Hi everyone, I'm Allie. And I'm Andy. And welcome back to another very special live episode of the Mariana Wanza podcast, uh, your favorite book club and media. And we come to you today from a very special location, so I am home for Christmas, and we're at our friend Annalise's house. Shout yeah. out. <laughs> shout out to Annalise, she is a, she's a listener. Yeah, we. It's, she's got a really nice house, if you ever have the opportunity to meet and hang out with Annalise. <laughs> Her dog is absent today, but... <laughs> yes, Jolene, but very nice house. Um, very happy to be home and to see my gals again. We just had lunch with our friend Shelby as well. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. A new place in Lebanon, super delish brunch. Off the square? Yeah, off the square. Yeah. If you're local, go check it out. Yeah, really good potatoes. It just opened, so it's brand new. Yeah. So we're like a couple days away from Christmas at this point, and everybody's home for the holidays, but mm-hmm. also got lots of family stuff planned so i'm glad we all got a chance to get together yes it's it's nice it's Mm -hmm. nice to see you guys when i come back this is also only the second episode we've recorded live (laughs) at the same (laughs) at the same place at the same time and ally doesn't like looking at me (laughs) making a lot of my contact um yeah you know, it, when we recorded with my friend Molly, she was surprised that we don't have, like, video up so that we can talk to each other and see, like, when we're going to yeah. say something. But. I guess we did that a couple of times, but then the video would lag a little bit, yeah. and it just didn't work out. But for the most part, we don't talk over each other a whole lot. And if we do, I just cut that part out. <laughs> yes. So we hope everyone's having a very happy holiday season. Happy, you know, happy Christmas if you celebrate. Happy Hanukkah if you, well, past Hanukkah now. Solstice? Is that a thing in the Christmas time? Uh, the winter okay. solstice was yesterday. All right, so that applies. All right. <laughs> so to all who celebrate, um, yeah, very happy holidays. And we are happy. This is our last episode so we of the year, book episode of the year. Mm-hmm. So we would like to talk about our favorite short story and our favorite book from the year. Um, Just to recap real quick. Yeah. So we read actually a lot of really good ones like... Black Cake we all liked, um, The Magicians of Frankie Presto. Recently, Flicker in the Dark was really good. Yeah, we had some really good books. We had a couple stinkers, but some (laughs) really good books and really good short stories this year. Um, So you want to, Yeah. what was your favorite? Okay, I think if I have to pick one. A single one, Andy. Just one. I'm going to pick Flicker in the Dark. Okay. I really like, I think my favorite genre so far is more of the suspenseful thriller. Mm -hmm. And so that one was of that category. Yeah. Yeah. But I had two other ones that were a close second and third. Yeah, I think, which I imagine were Black Cake and Frankie Presto. Yeah. (laughs) So those are two of my top three as well. But my favorite one, I think, is The Magic Strings of Frankie Presto. I really loved, like, the way that the the narration wove in the music and everything happening in his life. Um, So if you haven't read that or listened to that episode yet, like, highly recommend. And the audiobook is the way to go for that one. Yeah, with all the different voices, like mm-hmm. the way they, they pulled in all the characters. I really loved it. Yeah. And Black Cake. If you have to pick three for the year, pick those three. <laughs> but, yeah, my favorite was uh, Frankie Presto. Mm-hmm. What about short story? So, again, we had a lot of really good ones. I don't think we had any real stinkers this year, which is no? good. Um, but I think that my favorite author was Ted Chang, and I think that my favorite of the ones that we read from him was Tower of Babylon. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I liked him a lot, too. I think my favorite short story for the year was Liking What You See, a documentary, mm-hmm. the one where they had the the little implant in their head. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think overall, I think my favorite author was probably the Val McDermott ones. Oh. 
I liked the I liked those a lot as a whole, but that one story by Ted Chang I think was my favorite for the year. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. We read a lot this year. More than I ever did in the past, yeah. for sure. <laughs> really meeting your goals. Which is <laughs> <Just> good. <laughs> anyway, okay, so our last book for the year you picked, which was? Today Will Be Different by Maria Semple. Um, she is also, so she's an author I've read before, um, and so I also wanted to read this book just because. Um, so to get into some of her background, so she was born in Santa Monica, California, but she moved to Spain shortly after with her family, where her father, Lorenzo Semple Jr., or the third, depending on who you talk to, um, wrote a pilot for the Batman series that starred Adam West from 66 to 68. Did you ever watch that? Mm-mm. I don't think I ever have. But he, he wrote the pilot, and then they moved to L.A. to film it, and then he, they later moved to Aspen. And there was actually, so her father, Lorenzo Semple, was a prolific screenwriter, and he actually wrote the screenplay for King Kong. And mm. I don't know if you caught it, but in the end of this book, she makes a reference to the screenwriter of King Kong invited her family over all the time uh, to like watch a game or some sports or something. And I was like, mm. oh, I caught a little nugget that the author put in there. It's <laughs> like, maybe not everyone got No, I didn't get that. Yeah. But I also haven't seen that, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, she got her BA in English from Barnard College in 1986, which is a college um, in Columbia University. So she was in New York for a little bit. And then she later uh, married, or not married, she has a partner. Her partner is George Meyer, who's also a writer for television mostly. So he did some stuff for Letterman, SNL, and then he like wrote a lot for The Simpsons, including the movie. And they have a daughter together, Poppy. And my favorite thing that I found on the Wikipedia page, but was not confirmed, is that there is a species of frog named after their daughter, Poppy, um, because Maria did some sort of work with amphibians. But I can't <laughs> confirm that one because the the sources no longer exist. Um, mm. So uh, Jury's out. Jury's out on that one. <laughs> And so she's an author now, and she still does outreach at the Hugo House in Seattle, where they reside with their daughter. Um, And she has written three novels. So the first one is, this one is mine, which came out in 2008. Then the book that I read, Where'd You Go, Bernadette, was in 2012. And then this one, Today Will Be Different, came out in 2016. And Where'd You Go, Bernadette spent a whole year on the New York Times bestseller list and won an Alex Award, which is, you know, another literary award. So you had read that one before, and that's what... Did you think that this book was going to be a sequel to that one or a separate no, story? I knew it was going to be a separate story, but I had enjoyed the first one. Um, Where'd You Go, Bernadette is similar main character in like the manic sort of falling apart mom. Um, but in that one, she is there's the family's supposed to go on an Antarctic cruise and she just like disappears the day before. And it's um, a lot of like figuring out what happened. And there's like a lot of emails and in addition to prose. So, like, my friend Henry started that book and couldn't finish it. But Libba and I both really loved it. So, it's, I think, polarizing in the way that I think that you probably wouldn't like that book. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I looked up the the Goodreads <clears throat> reviews on Where'd You Go, Bernadette, and this one, Today Will Be Different. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, it was very split, but it a lot of what I saw for Today Will Be Different said there are a lot of similarities in the main character in mm-hmm. Where'd You Go, Bernadette, and the main character of Today Will Be Different. So much so that they were like, they were both in Seattle. They mm-hmm. were both, uh, one both had kids at Gaylor school. Yeah. Both had, um, careers and both yeah. like different things like that, that they were so similar that 
a lot of people, some people really liked that, that they were similar, and some people really didn't like that they were so similar. Yeah. Simple's also been an author and screenwriter for Arrested Development, Mad About You, Ellen, SNL, Beverly Hills, 90210. Um, so she's also very prolific. Yeah, and we read today will be different. Um, so just as like a quick background uh, to remind you, if it's been a minute since you read it, um, Today Will Be Different follows a somewhat manic Seattle animator, Eleanor Flood, and her son, Timby, over the course of a day as they panically search for their husband and father, Joe, who's gone missing, allegedly. Um, so we start the day with Eleanor dropping off Timby at school and her poet lessons with her poet friend, Lorenzo. Bef- Alonzo. 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 <laughs> Um, before she's called away to pick up Timby from school, who's allegedly sick with a stomach, a tummy ache, a tummy ache, <laughs> a tummy ache. Um, and so we, yeah, the book just sort of follows um, as they deal with a concussion, missing keys, misremembered lunch dates, and sort of just a general romp around Seattle with a brief flashback to some time in New Orleans um, with her sister. I enjoyed it, at least. Um, I think we both listen to the audiobook and I think that maybe part of the reason why you didn't like it is that it was the audiobook and from what I learned from her would you go Bernadette the way that the style shifted with the emails I'm sure that we missed something here so in this Eleanor is supposed to be writing a memoir right um, called the flood girls Mm -hmm. and there was an excerpt of that in the printed book that we like didn't get to see and so I'm thinking that maybe we missed some context for some of this stuff. Okay. I think it also, yeah, I did listen to the audiobook. I think if I would have read it, it would have been easier to follow when they were having the flashbacks yes. of um, when Eleanor and Ivy were younger and then like when Ivy was getting married. Mm-hmm. A lot of that in the audiobook, it wasn't a clear start and stop when jumping between time periods. And so mm-hmm. it took me a little while to try to catch up about what time frame we were in. Yeah. Um, and the narrator was Kathleen Wilhoit. It's, I think, how you say her name. Um, and I only know her, I recognized her voice because she was on Gilmore Girls. She was Jess's mom. Um, so if you're a fan of that, that's, that is who narrated it. <laughs> um, yeah, so like, yeah, just to get into it, I guess, there was, I think, some stuff that we missed, again, with like the jumping back and forth. And you have said that you didn't like like the Eleanor said versus I said sort of switching between voices yeah so I noticed there was quite a bit of switching between first person and third person writing where like sometimes it would say Eleanor said blah 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 and then sometimes it would say I said blah 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 and you were as if you were Eleanor Mm -hmm. so I think that was a little inconsistent and then I I think before you move on from that (laughs) was that the difference between the flashback and present day it could have been. Was it like Eleanor in the past when they were in New Orleans and then I for all of Seattle? I don't think it was always for all of Seattle. Okay. I think there was definitely um, like towards the end when she's trying to find Joe and he's in this like church choir mm-hmm. group. I think there was some then that would go back and forth between I said and Eleanor said or Eleanor did blah, blah, blah. But, okay. But there was also some flashbacks there too because she was talking about um, – Ivy and like when they first met Joe. Yeah. When he was a doctor. I don't so, think it was quite then. I think it okay. was like actually when they were at the church, okay. whatever that building was. Yeah. I, I didn't notice it as much, so that didn't bother me. Um, and I, yeah, I was just wondering. Yeah. I don't know. I noticed it. <laughs> but yeah, I think the, for me, the, the jumping between the past and the present back and forth so much and for so, like some of the stories that she would refer to in the past 
went on for so long that I almost forgot they were a flashback and that we like weren't in the same day still. So yeah, like the whole story of how Ivy and Bucky met and their whole marriage at the, um, the Virginia, I think it was a Virginia house. That to me, that part of the story was so long that I forgot it was a flashback. (laughs) Yeah, I think I was in the middle of that and listening. I was like, huh, I forget how we got to New Orleans at some point. But I don't, yeah, again, I guess it just didn't bother me as much as it did you. I I got a little lost and she, the narrator is very scatterbrained and a little bit manic. Mm -hmm. And I think that that like played into the confusion between all of it because she, I think in her mind, she was just jumping back and forth a lot. Yeah, it probably didn't seem as drawn out. Mm-hmm. for Eleanor I guess yeah. um but yeah like when we were in the the story of Ivy and Bucky getting married and all that and then all of a sudden we jump back to present day and I f- have to like reel myself back in like oh yeah I forgot this is still the same day that all this is going on <laughs> I would like to talk about the whole Ivy Bucky situation because mm-hmm. I'm wondering if I didn't get it all so is my understanding like how did they fall apart because what happened was that Eleanor had some like judgments on Ivy's wedding day, right? That mm-hmm. and made some comments that Bucky didn't like. And then again on the christening, she said something about there was a direct tie to Bucky and she was like, "Why would you ever do this?" and Bucky was like, "Well, that's what I did." Yeah. So, I guess even a little bit before that, Bucky and Eleanor worked together, right? And that's how yes. they knew each other and then Ivy was introduced to Bucky mm-hmm. from that connection. Okay. So, there's already a little bit of history that Eleanor and Bucky have a working relationship. Mm-hmm. I One of my questions, too, was what was the whole feud with Ivy really about? Because to me, it didn't seem like there was a, a real reason why they don't speak anymore, other than just, like, they have differences of opinions with Eleanor versus Bucky. I think that the, the main conflict between them was Eleanor and Bucky. And I think that it was like some of the snide comments and judgments yeah. that she passed on Bucky. Bucky was like, well, I don't like this. Yeah. And the way she said, she, at one point she um, she said that he was uh, like very controlling, right? Because Ivy had shown up and she like, that was a scene I didn't really understand. She was like, couldn't wear what she wanted to wear and had to use like special shampoo and couldn't eat some stuff because Bucky, she was pregnant and Bucky didn't want her exposing the kid right yeah which I mean everybody I guess from an outsider's perspective everybody has a a little bit different way that they go about a pregnancy like some people cut out all deli meat and some people cut out all you know raw fish and whatever so like maybe they were trying to go the the most natural safest uh, route possible and cut out any kind of like shampoos with parabens in it Mm -hmm. or all that stuff which, like, there's nothing wrong with doing that. So, like, I think seeing it from Eleanor's perspective of them, of him being controlling of her might not have really been controlling. Maybe it was just, like, because you're pregnant, we're taking all precautions. Yeah, and I think that at one point Ivy was upset about it all, but that it definitely felt like Eleanor was just passing a lot of judgment without knowing fully the situation. Yeah, I think one of the big, turn not turning points, but one of the big conflict points between Ivy and Bucky with Eleanor was Eleanor's snide comments of why is everyone all dressed up when they yeah, that, yeah. when they got to Ivy's wedding like come on I 
<laughs> that, yeah, that was part of it because it was supposed to be like a, a black tie affair, right? And then mm-hmm. she showed up in like a knee length dress or something. And yeah, she wasn't in dress code and like wasn't taking it seriously that they were getting. I think they got married pretty quickly, if I remember correctly. So mm-hmm. maybe she just like didn't approve. But also, like Ivy versus Eleanor in general, it seemed like Eleanor is very jealous of the way Ivy's so beautiful and gets modeling gigs and yeah. is like not everything that she's not. So I think overall, Eleanor's an asshole. And <laughs> her uh, making comments like, why is everyone all dressed up is just very arrogant and unsupportive. And mm-hmm. I, that's probably, I, I can understand why Bucky would be like, this is not somebody that we need to have around in our life all the time because they're just constantly negative. Sure. What about what happened at the christening? So they, Eleanor went to the christening and Joe, which I think, we'll also go back to this later, but Joe did not enter the church. Correct. But Eleanor was in, and then they lied to her and said that she couldn't come to the party after, and she only found out because she'd seen a couple of the people from church walk to the party. Mm. I think I might have been a little... Like, would, little... That, uh, would that be justified in your in your thoughts? Oh, by not inviting By Eleanor? not inviting her, by not even telling your sister that family only was going to come to the after party of the christening? When I... she traveled also to go to the christening, right? yeah. I think I was a little lost on this part. I don't remember the christening a whole lot other than, yeah, I think if you were to tell her it's family only or it's rather than we're having a party, like if they were to just not tell her we're having a party, then I don't think that's that bad. But to specifically say we're only inviting these people and she's not invited, that's a little worse to me. They only told her that because she found the party, you know, like they weren't even going to tell her that the party existed. Yeah. Actually, they didn't. They lied about it because they said that they were going to go back home with the three of them, and then that was it. Yeah. And then they had the party instead. Mm. Like, I think that was a big... I think most of the bad things that happened in that relationship were Eleanor's fault, but I also think that that would be... a That would hurt me a lot. Yeah. If you just didn't even say something. Yeah, but there comes a time, too, I think, that, like, if you have that one family member who's just constantly negative and then also being unsupportive, like oh, why is everyone all dressed up? And it's a wedding. Like, you know what you're doing. Yeah. I don't I don't blame them for not wanting her there. <laughs> Sorry, Eleanor, you did that to yourself, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I just was not a fan of Eleanor's character. What do you think about her relationship with Joe and everything that happened there? So the main crux, the main storyline of the day is that she's trying to figure out what happened to Joe because Joe told his office he was on vacation he told her he was at work and um, and then was just gone. No communication. Yeah. And we later find out that he, the whole reason why he's being secretive is that he joined a church after being atheist for 20 years and refusing to enter a church for a christening. Mm-hmm. And um, he's, yeah, now become a religious man and he has the church choir and he's gone for the day because they're going to sing at the Pope in Seattle. <laughs> yeah um which is also just kind of funny but um what did you think about that because to me I think that that was a huge thing to hide from your wife and I didn't like and I could understand why she went crazy because he had been lying to her since that Seattle game where he like had this big epiphany right mm-hmm. yeah which did do we know how much time passed between the game and the the church choir event? At least a week because he'd spent a week writing his yeah. applications. Yeah, that's right. So my my perception of their relationship is Eleanor's a parasite 
And Joe is the one who's literally providing for the whole family because Eleanor doesn't have any income. So I get that he's probably under a lot of stress because he's a doctor. He's got a lot of stressful surgeries going on Mm -hmm. and and having to support a family in Seattle, which I'm sure is not a cheap place to live. Mm -hmm. But I felt that Eleanor was very unsupportive as a spouse. And one thing is that she gave Joe an ultimatum saying the marriage is going to be over if you decide to go up there and sing. Yeah. And to me, that's like, if you start throwing ultimatums in a, in a marriage is like, if you don't do this, then this is going to happen or the other way around. You're, you're on the brink of divorce. (laughs) So I felt like she, for her to react that way and not even hear him out about why he's had this change of heart and decided to be a man of God now and all that, like for her to not even listen to his reasoning just shows that she's not supportive. And, and he, I think it even said in the end, Joe realized that Eleanor only has enough room in her life for Eleanor. Yeah, he had that thought when he had the big epiphany and he was, and she'd left the game when he mm-hmm. was like, you can leave. And he was like, I can't believe that actually happened. Yeah. Um, I understand that. I do think she was an unsupportive wife. But I also understand her reaction to find out that somebody who was staunchly atheist for 20 years didn't like mention that he had this breakthrough, joined a church, joined a choir, and was singing and just lied to her the entire time. Yeah, I do think the lie was was not okay. He should have brought it to her, you know, after Timby goes to bed and like, hey, I need to talk to you about this new breakthrough I've had, whatever, yeah. not not spring it on her. He got to the point where he was applying for seminary mm-hmm. and like going to make this huge life decision or actually already had really and mm-hmm. just hadn't even run it by her in any way. Mm-hmm. And I think that like if I had found that out about like my partner of however, the 20 years who like I thought had this one belief system that aligned with me and then all of a sudden didn't. I think we want to give them a break because it's uh, a religious thing. And yeah. like those epiphanies happen, not to me, but to other people. And like, I think that maybe you might give a bit of a break because of that, because of the topic. But I think overall that was so bad of him. Yeah. And I really understand the way she went off of him. And I don't think that you should issue an ultimatum like that, but man yeah. alive <laughs> that is a big difference yeah i think if the situation had been something other than a religious epiphany but some kind of big life-changing thing yeah. it probably would not have been as understandable at least from our perspective yeah. if it had been something else like if his decision had been to run away and join the circus yeah. i think that people would have been a lot more upset about that and like i i understand where eleanor came from on this side. yeah she is, though, oh, man, she is all over the place, I tell you. Yeah. I also feel like her overall, though, she's so self-absorbed in what she wants. It seems like she has the mentality that, like, she's mourning the loss of her career because she decided to have a child, which I hate that mentality because it's totally possible for women to have a successful career and be a mom mm-hmm. and for her to have... It seemed like she had the mentality of, like, my life is over. I don't get to do anything fun anymore because I have a child to take care of. Which, mm-hmm. first of all, your child's in school. You can go get a job for eight hours a day if you want while your child's at school. There mm-hmm. are options to do that. But just her, like, moping around and negative, pessimistic attitude because she's not doing looper wash anymore. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just thought it was childish of her. But she also, throughout, like, the... 
the reason this is called today's will be different is because she's like trying to change that about herself. Yeah. Like that's the first thing we learn about her is like, okay, today will be different. You know, I'm going to initiate sex with Joe. I'm going to hang out with my son. We're going to play a game. You know, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to go to lunch with my friend who's not actually someone I want to hang out with. <laughs> yeah. Like all to me, I, yeah, I think that I had a lot more compassion because she also could see how bad she was. Yeah. She's got a lot of stuff to work on mentally, which is good that she realizes that. But yeah, I was like, I'm going to make today be different and be positive. And then like in the first 20 minutes after she wakes up, it's like, ah, oh, never mind. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> but yeah, overall, I just wasn't very, I don't know. I didn't relate very well to her just negative attitude about everything. Mm, fair enough. Yeah. When did you think of Timby? Timby was whiny. <laughs> so whiny. Uh, that might have partially been a choice on the, the narrator. Um, yeah. She, she just sees him as, yeah, she probably just sees him as really whiny. No, I meant the audiobook narrator. Oh. <laughs> she had such a, like, a teeny, like, a little voice who is up here. <laughs> Mama. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think I, I do think Eleanor though probably perceives him at his age as being really whiny and attached at the hip and not getting enough attention and like mm-hmm. but like he's just being a regular what eight year old kid. Yeah. Yeah. Guy. <laughs> so funny. I love that he's <laughs> after so at some point in time when they were in the sculpture gardens with her art art friend guy, mm-hmm. she like crashed headlong into that giant steel uh sculpture and got a Got a concussion. And one of the running jokes that I liked a lot in this was the app for the concussion that they, like, kept Oh, yeah. I thought that was really funny. But I loved it when Timby later said, since she hit her head, she's been making bad choices. It's like, Timby, Timby gets it. Got ratted out by an eight-year-old. Timby sees what's happening with his mom, and he is not happy about it. Although it's true. So they said that his name came about as an autocorrect spelling mistake. Timothy has never autocorrected to Timby. No, Timmy might, though. Oh, Timmy. Yeah, that's true. I thought she said Tim- Timothy corrected to Timby. But yeah, it probably was Timmy. Timmy. That makes yeah. more sense to me. <laughs> but what a name, Timby. Timby. Let me all name my firstborn. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I thought your firstborn has to be Jehoshaphat. Oh, yeah. No, Jehoshaphat. <laughs> Jehoshaphat. Can't call him Jehoshaphat. Can't call him Joseph Skinny. <laughs> was there anything you liked about this book? Not really. <laughs> Did you think it was funny? No. Okay. I yeah, I saw a lot of especially Timmy's character and like all of the situation on how outrageous all of it was. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was really funny. Yeah, I think I just couldn't get past the idea that Eleanor's mentality is that her life is over now that she's chosen to be a mom. Yeah. When there's so many women out there that do both that have children and have successful careers that I think it was more of an excuse like oh well I'm a mom now I can't do this anymore I can't do that anymore when like also she doesn't really need to do it for the income because Joe makes so much money as a surgeon they're not dependent on it I think if if Joe was a cashier at a grocery store and didn't bring in as much money she would find the time to be an illustrator again and to and to produce work and whatever else she was doing but Seven yeah, years that she's behind on her um, autobiography. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I think other than that, let's see. I had a question for you about 
Her weird obsession with the poetry teacher. Ah, yes. What what is all that about? Why is she so obsessed with, like, Alonzo keeping his job at Costco Mm -hmm. and, like, all that whole side quest that she went on Mm -hmm. when she saw him and was like, you have to keep your job Mm -hmm. and all that. I'm like, why is this 50-year-old woman really given that much attention to this poetry teacher who probably only spends time with her because he's getting paid to do it. Um, yeah, also I did not like the the term my poet. That's very possessive. I know, but I really like the idea of having a poet. <laughs> like he's not a dog. Oh, he's our poetry teacher. So what was, I'm sorry. What was Just what do you think her weird obsession with the poetry teacher was about? Was it the attention she was getting? I think it might have been like just like that's like the only relationship she had outside of her family like she had her other friend who she was maybe supposed to have lunch with but then wasn't supposed to have lunch with yeah who knows (laughs) um i i think maybe it was just like a a, like a life raft in her mind he's like a a lifesaver in the storm that she's in it's like the one friend who she's paying to teach her and have an adult conversation with her about something that she wants to talk about without having his own agenda yeah which might be, yeah, like part of her selfishness coming into play. Because with like Joe, like you at least have to pretend to care about what your partner cares about. You should <laughs> care about what your partner cares about. Yeah. But she clearly didn't. But I, yeah, I think maybe with Joe, like the, she, she, it's more of a give and take. And with Alonzo, she was able to just like take only. Mm-hmm. And so I think her obsession with that was like, this is my one adult lifeline who's like centered around me. Maybe she thought, too, that if he lost his job at Costco, he would not be available for more poetry lessons. <laughs> he might have to move. She's only teaching him, or paying him, what, 50 bucks, I think she said, over for Plus breakfast. Hour. Yeah, plus <laughs> breakfast, so. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was kind of a weird friendship to have, and her being so, it felt possessive. Like, he's my poet. Yeah. He's my poet. Weird. I mean, I'll... I'm not second guessing. I used to have a wine guy. I used to call my wine guy at Costco because <laughs> I just got this wine guy. Um, I'm wondering now. I don't know. I could, I really like the idea of having a poet. I gotta find myself a poet. If you're out there and you want to be my poet, let me know. The um, thing is, your your Costco wine guy is not being paid no, I mean, by you. Well, not directly. Yeah, exactly. Not by you. That's fair. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, what are your thoughts on Eleanor leaving her child with a complete stranger to the kid and someone she hasn't seen in years? Yeah. And it didn't seem like Eleanor and that former coworker had that great of a relationship anyway. All right, that was a poor decision as yeah. a mother. Um, <laughs> and that was pre-concussion, so yeah. it's not like she could even blame it on that. Nope, can't blame that one on that. I Yeah, I think it was a very poor decision as a mother, but I think that the reason she did it was just because she was in such a panic and she was like, well, I got to gotta get away from this kid and figure out what's going on well, with Joe. Well, it wasn't the reason that she left Timby with that former co-worker because she saw Alonzo going into Costco. And she was like, just wait here for a minute. I gotta oh, run into Costco. Like, yeah. you're leaving your child with somebody they don't know to go chase after this poet that you're obsessed with? Yeah. Actually, Weird. and she did have that thought, right? She had the thought of, like, what, uh, I left him. He's been with a stranger for an hour. I was like, that's... Oh, not a good idea. Yeah, you never know somebody like that. Hmm. Especially, yeah, it said that that, which I don't know why that former coworker would want to have lunch with her anyway. Yeah. If they were not on great terms. And well, it's supposed to be a meeting, right? Some sort of business meeting they yeah. just never got around to? I don't I don't know. Like, he, he told her that he was doing this art installation. Mm-hmm. But what was the point of their lunch? 
know. For him to like tell her, this is how successful I am. I didn't even need you. Haha. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I don't need to be an animator. Yeah. my own artwork. Let's see. I think that's the majority of my notes. <laughs> I, I did cate- categorize all of Eleanor's characteristics as red flags. <laughs> yeah. I saw that one. I'm wondering, have you ever read a book that you liked but didn't like the main character of? Because, like, I'm okay with not liking Eleanor but loving this book. Yeah, I I think the other part that I did not like about this was that I think it's very hard to successfully write a book that only takes place in one day. Mm-hmm. Because it seemed like there was a whole lot of talking, but not a whole lot of anything happening until the very end when they actually find Joe at the church. Because mm-hmm. it, like, I mean, everything takes place in one day. All she really did up until the time where they got in Joe's car to go find him, she went to have breakfast with the poet guy. She, she picked up Timby because he wasn't feeling good. They went to get lunch with her former coworker and they walked around the pier. They went to the sculpture garden? Yeah, that was at the pier. Yeah, but that's, this is like so many things. This is like a whole. It, that's this like just feels like five a, things before an <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> yeah, but that just seems like a normal Saturday to me. Like, what's worthy about writing that? <laughs> Not, what, there's nothing's happening. There's entertainment in the mundane. As some people would say, that's nothing to write home about. Yikes. <laughs> it's a normal day. I don't know. I think like stories that are taking place in one day. Something major's got to happen, like, you know. This was major. Her husband was missing. Okay, but not really. Was. He wasn't kidnapped or anything. Well, he would have know that until the end. Okay, but he would have come home that evening. Maybe. Okay, maybe. <laughs> but we didn't know that until, like, we found out where he actually was. Yeah. There was also a brief amount of time. Was there some sort of addiction in this? What was that? Did you... Addiction. She kept saying, "Is I feel like I have a memory of a line where she was like, are all these people addicted to something? In the church choir? Mm, maybe. Or wherever she was right before she went to go to the church choir. Didn't she like run into some people and they were like, they already left their, the choirs with the... Public? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a... It was a... Six stop. It was a... Sex Editions Anonymous, not addiction, um, what is it called? Like Alcoholics Anonymous, but for a sex addiction. Yeah. Whatever those meetings are called. Yeah. She went in there because that's what the GPS on his phone led him to, or in his, um, in his car led them to. Oh, okay. And she was like, that's Joe's coffee cup. Why is it here? And all that. And then somehow they told her, go check out the church. Yeah. And that's where she found him. Yeah. But I don't know. I also thought that was a lot of buildup for like not that great of an ending. <laughs> it was a huge life change, and then there she like has this big moment at the end where she's like, "Well, let's go to Spokane. Let's go to Scotland. Let's go to yeah." New York. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't know. To me, it just was too slow pacing, and not a whole lot of happening. Yeah, I would would not recommend Richie Gilbert to that. I don't think you'd like that. No, I don't think I would either. But also, I didn't think the the flashbacks were really that relevant about what was happening in that one day. Um, it wasn't relevant to what was happening. It was relevant to give us an idea of who she was, who yeah. Eleanor was, and like sort of inform some of these thoughts. I think if they would have, if um, Semple would have structured it as having like, what do you call it, like a preface in the beginning or. Um. Or even just the first couple chapters being the flashback and then launching into the whole day 
back to back to back and not going back and forth from past to present, that would have been easier at least for me to follow like to give the background up up front about why she is the way she is Mm -hmm. and then go into this is what happened today Mm -hmm. but I think jumping back and forth so much and the parts in the past being so long Mm -hmm. that I forgot we're actually still in the present day (laughs) and this this story really doesn't have anything to do with her walking into Costco and getting Alonzo to keep his job but we have all this background about it (laughs) I mean other than like yeah now we understand a little bit more that she is kind of I don't want to say crazy. She's, like, definitely manic in some way. Yeah. She has some issues. And I think that we get a little bit more of, like, why this woman might chase somebody into Costco Mm -hmm. with the understanding of, like, how she reacted to Bucky and not being invited to the Christmas party. Yeah, yeah. That's true. I did think it was a little bit of a stretch, but yeah. Yeah. Overall, I guess are we ready to rate it or do you have anything else? Yeah, yeah. Did you have a very favorite character in this? Yeah, Timby was my favorite character. He brought out a comical relief. He's so funny. I got a little Timby out there. <laughs> Mama! <laughs> I said she had her head. She's been making bad decisions. Yeah. Yeah, probably Timby. I'm going to say Joe, though. Joe was a shitty guy. No, he was not. He his wife for... It had to have okay. been more than a week. It had to have been at least Okay, a week. okay, yes. I will, I will say that the like, lie was not good. He's the provider of the family. He's got a good heart. He goes on mission trips to do medical surgeries. He realizes sure. that Eleanor needs a lot, and he gives her a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he sets boundaries with Ivy and Bucky, sure, which is good. That's healthy. Yeah, and then he and, also hid that he like made this huge. Dip. Yeah, but he also it never said explicitly that Joe. Joe never told Eleanor that she could not have a career, and also be a mom. Mm-mm. Like, there was never a mention of that, that he was like, no, I make the money, you stay home with the child. He mm-hmm. never never said that. So I like that that seems supportive. It seems like he was supportive of her, but she was not supportive of him. Yeah, I agree with that. I just, I think he was... Yeah, I do think that the lying was wrong. Not even wrong. It was huge lie. Andy, <laughs> like, if, if your husband had done that to you, if you were like, okay, I no longer want to do any sort of science-related thing. Here's what I'm going to do now. I'm going <laughs> to run off and join the circus. Yeah. Like, you're telling me... And he'd been making this decision for a month and had been hanging around all these different people. I I don't like Joe. Joe is not a good guy. <laughs> I'm not saying he doesn't have some faults, but... Some! Huge faults. Anyway. Okay. Anyway. Okay. So, out of five... Uh, what's our scale here today? Out of five uh, poets... Out of five <laughs> personal poets... How many do you give this? Maybe you should go first. <laughs> I give it like a three and a half, I think. I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. Um, I think that I, I should have read it instead of listening to the audiobook. And I think that that was a big mistake and something that drew back a lot from it. Yeah. But I enjoyed the story. I did get lost at some points, like with that whole New Orleans thing. Um, I really <laughs> don't like Joe. But I, yeah, I thought it was funny. I see a lot of similarities with the main character of Where'd You Go, Bernadette. So. Yeah. What were the the guns that Ivy kept, uh, Ivy and Eleanor kept arguing over? Some antique guns that yeah. was an I forget what they called them. Yeah. There's some, some kind of word specific to it. Yeah. I don't know. Like, okay, that's what you're going to argue over? <laughs> it's a silly thing to argue over, but. Yeah. Okay, I think out of five poets, I'm going to go with a one. <laughs> because Fair. I did not like the main character. I thought she was very self-centered. But I also just didn't like the pacing. I thought it was too slow. And then jumping back and forth between first and third person and present and past was 
too much. It didn't didn't flow well enough for me to enjoy it. Other than there are there are books that I like that you know maybe the pacing is fine, but I don't like the main character. That's happened before, but no. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do wonder if you had read this. If it would. Yeah, I think since you said that there are excerpts from the flood girls in there and all that i think if i would have had that visual it might have been easier for me to follow along yeah so yeah i guess if you do decide to read this one read it instead of listening to the audiobook yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah i would recommend that yeah all right so i picked our next book which i don't know if you see in our notes but i i, I made a change <laughs> yes i'm seeing this now yeah i originally was going to pick the unmaking of june Farrow, which has really good reviews it's a it's a time traveling book, but okay. I might save that one for. What would that be March? Yeah. Well, yeah, whenever my next turn is. March. But this one I'm gonna pick Ghosted, mm-hmm. which is by Rosie Walsh, mm-hmm. and Allie got it for Christmas from me. Yes, we got two copies. <laughs> yeah, I went to the little bookstore in Lebanon on the square, and they had two copies, so I got that after reading the back of it and decided that sounds like a good enough one to yeah. pick. So I have no idea if it's any good, but we'll see. Yeah. So that's going to be the January book. And then... And then uh, next, we will be reading Serious Women by Helen Ellis. That'll be our next short story. Um, and then if you happen to have it on loan or something you need to read ahead, uh, the last one will be Halloween People. So Serious Women next, and then Halloween People by Helen Ellis. And that will be in February, I'm sure. Anyway, we hope everybody has a good Christmas season, if you celebrate that holiday season. Yeah. Nice New Year. A nice break before we have to go into the year of 2024. Yeah, man. can't believe this whole year is over already. I have to tell you, every year I get I understand better. The years start coming and they don't stop coming. <laughs> I think every year, too, everybody always thinks like, okay, this is going to be my year. Yeah. And then at the end of the year, like, I'm exhausted. I just need to relax. And then you have all these goals. Like, I'm going to make 2024 the best year. And now it's like. Let's just go in slow and just <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this episode of Marianne and Wanda. We would love to hear your feedback and if you have any books or topics for us to review. You can reach us at Marianne and Wanda podcast on Instagram or send us an email at Marianne and Wanda podcast at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.